Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Everybody, it's the 25th day of September 2023. What is going on? Dan Grosser Show, live and in living color, right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We are going to take it right up until 9 p.m. As per usual, Gordon and Larry will handle the rest of the evening. We've got Joe. We've got Chantel. They're producing the program tonight. And as always, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. So how was your weekend? How's your Monday treating you so far? It would be nice if it stopped raining, right? It's only been raining for the last, like, feels like three, four days. Miserable, especially if you trekked out to MetLife Stadium yesterday and had to sit there and watch a disappointing by the or a disappointing performance by the New York Jets. If you came out to support uh, our station and be part of the tailgate, I know that everybody had a good time, so I heard. I wanted to make it out there so bad, didn't get a chance to. The weather complicated things, and I got caught up in the stadium doing some stuff before the game so I really wanted to make it out there but hope everybody had a good time on that end but then the game starts and that's another story altogether when you talk about where things are for this football team and I've been trying to process it the best as usual over the last 24 hours just trying to you know what we all witnessed and what we all took in and the thing that I keep coming back to with yesterday's game at least is that it's deja vu all over again right And I said, leading up to the game yesterday, all throughout last week, probably said it on the air, I know I said it off the air, that if you can't beat the Patriots now, when are you going to beat them, right? Because it was really kind of the same thing that plagued them a season ago, where the Jets could have easily beaten New England both of those games last year, if not for a couple of mistakes, and they didn't. And then the losing streak extended to 14 straight games. So same thing carries over into yesterday. Yeah, I know the Jets are up against a little bit at the quarterback position, but there's still enough talent on a team. Mono a mano, man for man. Jets have more talent than the New England Patriots. It's not even close. But just like last year, they lose a close game. And now it's 15 straight to the New England Patriots, but it's not about that. It's not about the streak anymore. It's not about, you know, the last... That, 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 it's, that's, that's another story for another time. This is all about 2023 and 2023 alone. And what the rest of this season is going to look like for this football team. You're sitting there at 1-2. and two. Yeah, you could have been 2-1. and one. You could have been 2-0 oh in your division. Didn't happen. Instead, he gave the Patriots perhaps, perhaps, at least a little bit of lifeline temporarily, even though I don't think it's going to be anything that extends because I don't think this Patriot team is any good. Okay? They're not going to be a playoff team because they just don't have the talent. I don't care how good the coach is. But watching that game yesterday unfold... And look, you go into a game, you hope for the best, you hope for it's an entertaining game, especially being there, you know, you got to cover the game and then do the show before, afterwards, and, you know, try to process everything. You want a well-played game. But watching that one unfold yesterday, I legit felt bad for the offense collectively on that field yesterday. I, I, I really did. 
you know, you don't get angry, right? That's not what this is about. But just watching those guys go out there, knowing how much work they put in, I felt bad for them. Because the first three quarters of that game yesterday, we could have been there till Halloween, okay? And I didn't think that the Jets were going to score a touchdown. That's how much of a struggle that it ended up being yesterday. I saw a great joke on the worldwide internet. I forgot who wrote it, where it came from, so forgive me for not giving the proper attribution. But they were talking about on the Red Zone channel yesterday where they showed Taylor Swift twice on the Red Zone yesterday and the Jets' offense just once. I thought that was funny, right? Because if you're not laughing, you're crying. And especially when it comes to this team, and over the last several years, that's what it's turned into. I mean, they had 60 yards of total offense in the first three quarters of that game. Think about that for a second. 60 yards in three quarters. The Patriots had 58 yards on that one touchdown pass, courtesy of the busted coverage there in the secondary. And that's what the Jets' output was in three quarters. You know, I mentioned it on the postgame show after the game with Greg. You look at what this offense has done the last two weeks on third down. Okay, third down conversions are important, right? You pick up your third downs, you move the chains, you extend the drive, you give yourself more of an opportunity to put points up on the board, which is really what this whole thing is about, right? You know what they are on third down the last two games? Three for 24. Wow. Like, you, you would think by accident you would be able to have a better conversion rate. Three of 24. That's like 12.5%. I, I, I don't know who you're beating if that's going to be your output. So the question becomes, how do we get to this point? How did it all happen? But before we start to examine all these things, and I'm sure we're going to do plenty of that throughout the course of this night, right? This is what this is for. Lie down on the couch. Take your shoes off, put your feet up, get an ice cold beverage, whatever it's going to take, maybe some warm milk, whatever you need to get through the next couple of hours and to process what we witnessed yesterday. I'm here for you. It's what I do. It's what I'm all about. So then we get into the fourth quarter. And then you have that one drive in the fourth quarter where they take the ball all the way down the field and actually put it in the end zone. Something clicked. Don't know what it was, but you're probably asking yourself, like, where was this for the first three quarters? 87-yard drive, 13 plays. He's making good throws. Perfect throw to Lazard, squeezing it in on the sidelines between some cover two. Nice throw to Tyler Conklin as well. You're starting to see that talent. You're starting to see that arm, the athletic ability, and you're saying, where was this sooner? And so me, given the fact that nothing makes sense anymore, with everything that we've witnessed in just three weeks to this season already, I'm thinking at that point, hey, score's 13 to 10. Still got enough time left on the clock. They're going to find a way to win this football game, as crazy as it sounds. Because you know what? The Jets have lost plenty of these type of games over the years, and the Patriots certainly have won plenty of games over the years where maybe they weren't the better team for the first three quarters, but yet somehow found a way to make plays in the final five, six minutes of the game or whatever, and you walk off the field a winner. Maybe the roles were going to be reversed a little bit. And then they get the ball again. Next drive. Backed up to the 10-yard line. Penalty backs him up even further. Third down, quarterback takes a safety. 
takes a safety. I don't know how you could do that. I would have thrown the ball into the seventh row, but I'm not the one playing quarterback. But as luck would have it, and that's what, again, this is what drives you crazy. As luck would have it, the safety actually turned out to be a benefit in disguise because it became quite apparent that they weren't going to be able to do anything offensively. So what did they do? The safety gave them the free kick, and then Thomas Morstead pins the Patriots back in their own end. It almost flipped the field. Got the Jets closer to where they needed to go, which was the Patriots' end zone, right? Defense does its job. They get the football back. Xavier Gibson, a nice old punt return again. Gives them outstanding field position near midfield. And you're thinking, wow, little over a minute to go. Two timeouts. Ball at the 45. This might happen. This might happen. Go back to what we saw two drives previously where he was slinging the ball around, finding his receivers, not thinking so much, just playing. First down, incomplete. Second down, incomplete. Third down, incomplete. Fourth and 10, throws a two-yard check down. Well short of the sticks. Turnover on downs. But it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And throughout this whole time, I'm down in the coaches club, staring up at the giant screen behind me, thinking that with all the improbability in this young season already, that somehow, some way, watch them still win this game. The football gods are giving them chance after chance after chance. Watch them find a way to win this game. They get the football back one last time. Enough time for a Hail Mary. You know that the kid's got enough arm to get it to the end zone. He throws about as perfect a pass as you could throw for a Hail Mary. And while that ball is in the air, I'm saying to myself, watch them come down with this. Ball gets deflected. Caroms off of Garrett Wilson's shoulder perfectly to where Randall Cobb is located and nobody else is around him. And when it was trickling down towards Randall Cobb, it was like in slow motion. And I'm saying to myself, they're going to win this freaking game. Until they didn't. And the ball hit the ground. And they probably got the result that they deserved, which was a loss. But again, we find ourselves in this situation to where the defense only allowed 13 points yesterday. But you know what? Yesterday, I don't even think was like peak Jets defense, right? Pats moved the ball up and down the field. Pats converted third downs. And they had the one busted play, which led to a touchdown. That was the fatal blow. I mean, shoot, when the Patriots came out that first drive of the second half and they put a field goal up on the board, which only made the score 13 to 3, how many of you were thinking that the game was over there? 13 to 3. Because that would have required the Jets to at least get two scores on the board. And at that point, they weren't even sniffing, sniffing the opponent's red zone. That's pretty sad. And that can't happen in today's NFL. I saw another statistic, and I haven't gone back and confirmed this, but I assume that, you know, there's probably some validity to it. That if you just take the NFL average, average, when it comes to offensive production, points scored, league-wide average, which is mediocre, and you applied that to the Jets 
over the last 18 games that they played, do you know what their record would be? 15 and 3. 15 and 3. We're talking like that's Super Bowl level. 15 and 3. But the problem here is that yet again we're talking about a unit that's below league average, which is subpar. And I think that those words and that terminology probably is being kind. Because I'm sure that there are words that you could use which aren't very flattering right now to describe what's happened to this offense here. And look, we all know what happened four plays into the season. You know it, I know it, they know it. Everybody knows it. And I noticed some of you, it seems like it happened about four years ago because so much has transpired since. But you know what the scary part about it is? That was only two weeks ago. Think about it. Two weeks ago. This time, two weeks ago, on, on, on September the 11th, on that Monday night, they had not even kicked off the season yet. And all the hopes, all the dreams, all the optimism were still intact. And think about what's happened since. And, you know, we get into the postgame show yesterday, and fans are frustrated, obviously. And then the head coach goes up there, and he does his press conference. And what I took from Robert Sala's press conference yesterday, not what he said today, but what he just said immediately after the game. And that's the hard part of being a head coach sometimes. And, you know, being a player, being a professional to where, you know, it's, it's literally right after the game. Emotions are running high. You maybe aren't going to say the things that you want to say. You got to kind of keep it composed, right? Can't bare your soul maybe like you want to when you're behind closed doors. But I saw Robert Zala after the game yesterday, and it was kind of if he was intimating what everyone else kind of feels but he just can't say it. You know, in the way that he was ans- answering some of those questions that the media was throwing at him about the state of the offense and the play of the quarterback, right? Because what he's trying to do is protect the player, number one, right? And he's trying to protect the locker room. Because if he goes up there and just gives into what the fans want him to say in that, you know what, the quarterback's not playing well enough, The offense is struggling too much. We have too good of a football team here, and right now the offense is holding us back. If he says those type of things, then then it's open season on the offense, and it's open season on the quarterback. And that's what you can't have happen as a leader of a football team. You just can't. Because the reality of the matter is, it may not seem like it, but there's still 14 games left. I mean, we're not talking about, like, a quarter of the season still to go, five games, two games. There's 14 games left. That is an eternity. Once upon a time, they only played 14 games in an NFL season. Think about that. It's all right there in front of you. But, 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 but. And this is where you got to go back to the drawing board. And you got to come up with a solution and you got to come up with an answer because right now, you better figure out fast if the current plan gives you the best chance to win. That's what you have to find out. And how much of this season do you let slip away before you do take some action? Because I'm watching the games, you're watching the games, they're watching the games. It's not good enough right now. It's not good enough. 
You know, you want to say they ran into a buzzsaw last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys have a good defense. Sure. Same Cowboy team, by the way, that went into Arizona, who for my money is the worst team in the sport, and they got torched by Joshua Dobbs. Patriots, I understand. They got Belichick, the guru and everything. Patriots aren't that good. And it's not like we're sitting there saying, boy, you know, score 24, score 28. 13 points, guys. 13 points. And they're struggling to get that. 60 yards through three quarters. It's got to be better. It has to be better. Coach ain't going to say it. Coach can't say it. But I don't know if this is necessarily a formula for them to be successful anymore. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. A lot of Jets tonight, as you would expect. We'll also go around the league. Very entertaining week number three. Some surprises, some superlatives. About what you would expect. Yankees finish up their home schedule today in front of about seven people. And those people, God bless you, really. I I mean, last home game of the year or not, I don't know what would merit you to want to go out there and watch that in person, given how nasty the weather was out there. But some questions about the managers on both sides of our New York baseball towns, whether they will be returning in 2024. We'll get into all that stuff as well, plus plenty of your phone calls at 800-919-3776. It is an overreaction Monday. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. I know that it's been written probably, and, you know, some people share the same kind of idea, what I'm about to say. Just in kind of analyzing what I saw yesterday, in particular, from the quarterback. And the best way to put it, And I don't know when it's happened. I don't know when um, it was kind of ingrained in him, so to speak. But I'm seeing a guy that's scared to make a mistake. And that he would rather go out there and eat the ball or throw it away or check it down as opposed to going out there and trying to play football. And actually trying to make some plays, trying to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, maybe even taking some shots down the field, which may or may not lead to turnovers. Because, you know what, once upon a time, that was a big problem for him. Especially his rookie year, even into parts of last season, you know, throwing too many up for grabs, taking chances, playing a little loosey-goosey, and that gets you into problems. A lot of young quarterbacks are plagued by that. Right? Like once upon a time when Mark Sanchez was here, they had to try to tell him. It's like, well, remember they came up with like the traffic light and the color-coded system about when to take a chance, when not to take a chance. So with all the coaching that Zach Wilson has had already so far in year number three in the NFL from, you know, a couple of different offensive staffs. It's harder from a lot of different people. Don't throw it, don't throw it, don't, 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 don't throw it. Throw it. Don't throw it, don't, don't throw it. Throw it, don't throw it. In his mind, he's thinking way too much. And he's afraid to make a mistake. Because if you go back and you watch the tape, now look, I understand like watching it live, and certainly from my perspective when I'm at the game, sitting up there in the press box, you don't see, any, you don't see everything like you would if you're getting it on TV at home. You go back and see the replays that they show you, or the next day when you check out the All-22 and the coaches tape that's available for you online if you have like the NFL Plus, which is outstanding, by the way. And you see there's plays to be made. There's plays to be made. 
Because naturally, the gut instinct is to blame the offensive line. Oh, the offensive line. Oh, they're giving him no time. Oh, he's got no time to see the field. The offensive line. Not the offensive line. Not. Receivers aren't open. No, the receivers, they got to get open. They got to help them. They got to come back to the ball. Receivers are open. Okay, so then what is it? It's a guy who's afraid to make a mistake. He's not trusting his eyes, and this is something that we talked about even last year. You've got to trust your reads. You've got to trust what you're going to see. If you didn't have the ability, if you didn't have the arm, if you didn't have the talent, you wouldn't be in the league. You wouldn't be the second overall pick in the draft. But when do you release that, and when do they see it finally? That's the hard part in this. The next-gen stats, they measured out Zach yesterday. In the time it took for him to release the football from when he got it on passing plays. The NFL average quarterback gets rid of the ball in a little over two seconds. You know, about like two and a quarter. Yesterday, he was measured out at about three and a half seconds. And I know you say to yourself, well, three and a half seconds isn't a lot of time. And it's only a second more. Well, sit there and simulate a play being snapped and a play being run in a football game. And then just close your eyes and count in your head. One, one thousand. Two, one thousand. Three, one thousand. Most of the time, you don't get that much real estate to work with. You know, the good ones, the successful ones, they get that ball, they drop back, boom, they know where they're going with it. Boom, they know what they're seeing. Boom, they could diagnose the defense, and the ball is out. And that's not happening here. That play that happened in the safety, like, you know, Matt Judon made a great play, you know, got around Mekhi Beckton, whatever. But these guys can't block forever. Okay, they can't block forever. I mean, a couple of those sacks yesterday, you got to get rid of the football. And this is something that's plagued him throughout his career because there were episodes when he was a rookie. I remember he's coming off the field. Offensive linemen are coming off the field and they're screaming, throw the ball. You can't block for 10 seconds. It's not a video game. You know, eventually then they're going to get you for holding. If that's the case, you're getting enough time to make plays. Make them. You got to. Because right now, this is like a car stuck in the mud. It's going nowhere. And you could spin the wheels, and you could keep hitting the gas and hoping and hoping and hoping that the car moves, but it's not moving. So point all the fingers you want. You can blame the coach. That's the other one, too. Oh, the coaches don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh, hack at this, hack at that. I mean, can't, oh, he can't call the plays. You know what? The plays were there to be made. The plays were there to be made. They just got to be made. They've got to be executed. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. And I know that I brought this up before, a couple of weeks ago, actually. But more and more, each passing day, each passing game, and I know that we've only had three of them so far with this team. It's really giving me like 1999 vibes all over again. It, 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 you know, from, from game one to where we are right now, and obviously the common denominator with game one, right, all the expectations going into that season for the Jets, this season for the Jets, 99, Vinny goes down with a torn Achilles week one. This time Aaron Rodgers goes down with an Achilles injury week one. 1999, 
They turned to Rick Meyer, who they acquired not long before the season, to be the veteran backup quarterback because they didn't trust Ray Lucas as the backup. Rick Meyer was a guy who was a former number two overall pick in the draft by the Seattle Seahawks, and it already bounced around because he wore out his welcome in Seattle, then went to Chicago, it didn't work out, and then he goes on to the Jets. Seeing if Parcells or somebody can make use of him. Lo and behold, Aaron Rodgers goes down. They turn to a guy who was also a number two overall pick in the draft, and Zach Wilson, right, didn't take advantage of his opportunities the first two years of his career, so they go get themselves the Hall of Fame quarterback. That year, Vinny goes down. That offense is slow out of the gate, and the Jets are losing games, and the season was slipping away. I, and I remember watching each and every one of them. I remember those games like to no end. That week two that the Jets that year, they went up to Buffalo on a Sunday night against the good Bills team. They lost 17-3. to Sound familiar? Three points by the offense. Meyer was 13-28 for 121 yards. Following week, they come home. They played Washington. They put up 20, but they still lost the game. 17-31, 227, a touchdown and an INT. Then they played a real good Jaguars team. At home on Monday Night Football was Columbus Day. Never forget that. Columbus Day. Jaguars, Jets, remember. They played in the playoffs the year before that. Game that the Jets won to send them to the AFC Championship game. That Jaguars game almost had a feeling like yesterday. That they could have played that game for four days and the Jets maybe wouldn't have scored a touchdown. They lost 16-6. to Meyer was 19-38. That's about a 50% completion percentage. Sound familiar? 164 yards, two INTs. Meyer would get two more starts after that. They won a couple of games. But Parcells actually finally benched him for good. And it was too late. It was too little too late. But he benched him following a win. They beat Arizona 12-7, to and Meyer was 12-18 of for 122 yards and a touchdown. It's the NFL. Those numbers can't cut it from a starting quarterback. It can't. So how does the story finish? Well, remember, he turned to Ray Lucas. Ray Lucas sparked the team, played much better football than Meyer was ever going to, and the Jets finished one game shy of the playoffs that year. One game shy. But if you think about it, if they would have made the move a little bit sooner, they would have snuck into the playoffs, and they would have been as dangerous a team that you would have had probably in the entire AFC and somebody that nobody wanted to play the way that they were playing down the stretch. They beat Marino twice and uh, in the last, like, three, four weeks of the season. They went down to Dallas and beat the Cowboys on a last-second field goal. They, they were playing real, real good football, and they were fun to watch. It was almost like a tale of two different seasons. So now the tough job about it for Rob Sala and company is that you almost find yourself in the same situation. Schedule makers are doing you no favors at least for the next few weeks until the bye. The two teams that were in the Super Bowl are your next two home games. How much longer does this continue? Do they think there's a better option in-house? Calls next. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Of things to fix as far as the offensive side of the ball is concerned. Let's go to the phones. Jamie is in New Jersey. He's going to be our leadoff hitter here on 9870 SPN. Jamie, how you doing? Good, Dan. How are you tonight? Jamie, you know what? I'm doing okay. What's on your mind? I got a couple things. Two things. Um, number one, where where's the creati- like creativity, the RPOs, the rollouts with the, with the running backs, number one. And number two, Listen, I, I've listened to to Buttle all these years, and I love Buttle. I think he's mm-hmm. he's a fantastic guy. I love mm-hmm. him. And it's always players versus coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Players play the game. Coaches coach the game. Mm-hmm. At what point are we just are we just done coaching this group of this quarterback? Like this quarterback just can't be coached. Like, is, is it over? Just you, you, you guys. Give me, give me a heads up. Like, is it over? Like, is is Zach done? Is it Jamie, over? I'll, an- I'll, it- I'll answer you the question this way, okay? What did the Jets do this offseason? What was their big splashy move? I know. Nobody goes out and, and says, you know what? Our big no, 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 splash no, 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 is going to no, no, be no. our backup quarterback. No, 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 I, no, I get no, it. No, that's not, what I, that's not what I mean. I'm just asking a simple question as if we're just getting to know each other. What was the big splashy move the Jets made this offseason? Obviously, getting Rodgers. Okay. Does does that answer your question? Yes, Meaning, I know. I know. My, 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 my point uh, is this. If they still believed in the player and thought that he was a legit viable option to be their best option to win them football games, Aaron Rodgers would never have been been acquired. Right? I know. I, yeah, I, again, I say this uh, just, just being a father and just like – like we're, I just I can't we, like we can't do this anymore. Like we're just so tired as Jet fans, and I get it. But you know, we're just enough is enough. It's like it's yeah. almost like you know, just anybody, anybody else, be a quarterback than Zach Wilson, and it's not his fault. Like now, I feel bad for him. I feel bad that he's actually out there and he's 
subjected to this uh, torment. You know, it's, it's terrible. That's why I said, and Jamie, thank you for the phone call. That's why I said yesterday, watching that yesterday, I, I almost felt bad for those guys. Because I'm there, I see the work that's put in, and I know a lot of those guys personally, you know? Like, I consider some of them friends. This obviously wasn't supposed to happen. Not like this. And for all the work that those guys put in all throughout the offseason, crafting this system and crafting this offense, thinking that it was tailored to one guy in particular who was a future Hall of Famer, was the maestro of this offense, knew it like the back of his hand, and it was gone in four plays. Here's the other problem, though. Like, we talk, you know, when Aaron goes down and then we're sitting here kicking around, okay, what's the winning formula? How can they still be successful? And, and the consensus is always, oh, well, you know what? Just manage the game. Manage the game. Rely on the defense. You got two good running backs. Run the football. Don't make the quarterback do things that maybe he's not accustomed to do. All right, let's touch on one of those things right there, running the football. Where's that been the last two weeks? Because that also is going to magnify problems with the quarterback in the passing game because he has no assist from the run. Last week in the Dallas game, let me refresh your memory, the running backs, 10 carries, 24 yards. Their leading rusher in Dallas was Zach Wilson on those few scampers that he had on that drive late in the first half, okay? But the running backs, 10 carries, 24 yards, not good. Yesterday, the running backs, 20 carries, 36 yards. So if we do some quick math here, boys and girls, that's 30 carries, for 60 yards from the running backs the last two weeks. Two yards a pop. Who are you beating that way? Unless you've got prime Dan Marino as your quarterback, who in God's name are you beating when you're running the ball two yards a pop? Like, that's the thing about the Patriots yesterday. And as I said, I don't think the Patriots are any good at all. At all. And I'm not exactly a huge fan of Mac Jones. And I I, I dare I call him a, a franchise quarterback. He's got to show me a hell of a lot more. But... When you commit to the running game, like they did, they ran it 40 times yesterday. 40 times. And they still didn't average four yards a carry. They were sub four, but they remained committed to it. And they got into third and manageable. You didn't have a lot of third and longs like the Jets were faced with. So Mac Jones could go back there, and he could just find his open guy, usually somebody run right across the middle of the defense in the zone, and boom, first down, move the chains. Not asking a lot for your quarterback to do. I mean, the quarter Mac Jones was fifteen to twenty nine yesterday. That was that was barely better than Zach Wilson. I mean, that was almost a little over fifty percent. That's not great. But meantime, you got a quarterback here with the Jets and the Jets offensively, which are being asked to be one dimensional because you're Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick. You don't even have to be the genius level that he's at when it comes to being a football coach. But you look at the other side of the field and you turn on that film. And what's the first thing you're going to recognize? Hmm, they got a couple of good running backs. We got to take away the run game. So what did New England do yesterday? They put an extra guy in the box the whole damn game and dared the Jets to beat them through the air. They dared the quarterback to take the top off of the defense by going up and over it. Did they do it? No. So Steve Spagnuolo, who's the Chiefs defensive coordinator and who's already probably breaking down film on the Jets getting ready for next weekend, what do you think they're going to do? It's a copycat league. Until you show that you can beat it 
and you have an answer for it, that's what teams are going to do. Xavier in Roosevelt up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Xavier, how we doing? I'm good, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. How you doing? What's up? I'm doing great. Talk to me. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I was at the game yesterday. Um, I'm a season tick holder. Been a Jets fan for over 20 years. And honestly, I can tell you that this is by far the worst quarterback I experience I've seen with the Jets, you know, since I've been a fan. Um, with Zach Wilson, I, I don't think there's a winning formula because I look at it like this. If it, going for the rest of the season, every team is going to look at the Jets and say, all right, what's their biggest strength? Their biggest strength on offense is their running game. So what are they going to do? They're going to load the boxes, build a heavy front, and make sure that Brees Hall, Davo Cook, Michael Carter get minimum yards to the point where, all right, now they just have to pass. You think any team is afraid of Zach throwing the ball? So that's where it's going to end up to. So I look at that, and I'm just like, I don't know which game or any game that the Jets can win if Zach Wilson is their quarterback. Like, it's very – it's just very atrocious right now, and it's terrible for Jets fans. And for Robert Sala with his press conference today, it was just so awful to look at because you hold so much accountability on the entire team when you say we need to do better around Zach. And honestly, that same energy is never applied to Zach Wilson. Like, do you tell Garrett Wilson, oh, Zach needs to do better for you? Do you tell the offensive line, Zach needs to do better for you? Do you tell your defense, who only gave up 13 points last week, I mean, yesterday against the Patriots, do you tell them they need to, Zach needs to do better for them? So I'm just tired of the coddling that. But, 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 uh, but Xavier, it's not. But, Xavier, you know what? It's not coddling Zach. It's more about trying to keep this team united. And normally you don't get faced with that type of adversity three weeks into the season. Because what if he says, Xavier, let, let, let's imagine, right? Yeah. Let's say Robert Sala went up there after the game yesterday and says, you know what, the quarterback stinks. It was, a tr- it was atrocious play. He's got to be better. He's terrible. He says that. Then the guys in that locker room, when they get asked those same questions because they look to their leader – and when they see, well, he's saying it, then it must be true. So I might as well echo those thoughts. Then you're going to have multiple people in that locker room calling out the quarterback, saying yeah. that he's no good, saying that he needs to be benched. And then what type of locker room do you have there? I mean, I understand that, but Sala doesn't have to say those exact words. But he can just simply say, Zach just needs to play better. He needs to make the right plays on the field. He needs to. But don't you know that's the case, Xavier? You know that, though, right? You're a fan. You watch the games. You know he's got to be better. Like I said, I'm up there watching the press conference yesterday, and you could just tell by his body language, his tone, that's exactly what he wanted to say, but he can't say that. It's almost like, in other words, Robert Sala was up there yesterday like, guys, you all watched the same game as I did. What do you want me to say? It was abysmal, right? I mean, that's what he wanted to say. Right, but, I mean, like I said, I just wish there was more accountability on his end in terms of getting Zach. Like, I'm not saying he has to bash Zach in the press conference, but when you call out the running game and say they need to do better versus Zach Wilson doing the simple stuff, it, it, it just sets a tone that, to me, that they're just calling him. And well, it's, it's not going to change. And I think it's important that they bring in another quarterback at least to just see what they can do because they can't be any worse than this. I wouldn't even mind if Tim Boyle starts at this point. Because well, I you know what? Right now, 
Xavier, guess what? And I thank you for the phone call. Tim Boyle is one bullet away. And not only one bullet, okay? How about maybe one more half of football, like what we saw yesterday from the offense? You know, think about, think about what Sunday night would look like potentially. All right? National TV, you got, oh, yeah. Um, that, that, it's painting a rosy picture, all right. This is what the stuff that people dream of. Kansas City coming in. Taylor Swift might even be in the building. Who the hell knows? You know? She likes a good time. And what if the Jets go out there and they only got, like, one first down in the whole first half? And they have, like, you know, five three and outs with this offense. And you know that those fans are going to be very rational and patient, and they're going to be very supportive, cheering them as they exit the field after every three and out. Not exactly. But you think that that's going to continue? If they just need something, anything to spark this team? Chris is in Bethpage up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Good, Dan. First of all, I think next week you're not going to have to worry about Jet fans being impatient. You're going to have to worry about all the Swifties that are going to descend upon MetLife Stadium. I, you know, I'm hearing that all these young girls who know nothing about football <laughs> want to buy tickets for next Monday night. Right. Their, their moms are already on the be. secondary market seeing if they could spend thousands of dollars just in the offhand chance that Taylor Swift will be up in a suite someplace at MetLife Stadium. I know. It's crazy. I have a 16-year-old daughter. Believe me, I know. Um, anyhow, <laughs> Dan, I really I feel bad, okay? I have a bunch of friends who are Jet fans. So I actually find, I'm a Giant fan, but right. I really find myself rooting for the Jets and looking out for them and, you know, just seeing what's going on. Now, far be it from me to say this, but I, you know what? You said it was 1999. You know what this reminds me more of? This reminds mm-hmm. me more of 2008, where you take a Packer, a superstar Hall of Fame Packer quarterback for one year. You bring him over. There's all this hype. And it was good for a while with Favre. Don't get me wrong. But then after a year, it was like, you know, time to move on. And then 2009, 2010, they go to the AFC Championship game. So what I'm trying to say is, I know this sounds crazy, and you'll, you know, you, you definitely won't agree with me, but mm-hmm. I think the best thing – that the Jets could do going forward, because I like to look two or three years down the line, mm-hmm. and that's their window, is if somehow, somehow Aaron Rodgers' injury is just so bad that he really can't come back, and they part ways, and then they move on from him, and maybe in the offseason you go out and you get a Kirk Cousins. Look what all the good NFL teams are doing now. They're, they're established teams. Tampa brings in Brady. They win the Super Bowl. L.A. win now. They bring in Stafford. They win the Super Bowl. Uh, I like what Baker Mayfield's doing down in Tampa. Wasn't that the plan uh, with Aaron Rodgers, though, Chris? No, it, it was. But look at the age. This is the problem. I don't like the age factor. I, Brady I was 42 when he went to Tampa Bay. No, well, that was Brady, and Brady stayed healthy. Luckily, he stayed healthy. But Aaron Rodgers is 40, and he had a – this is a bad injury. No matter what people say, I heard a doctor talking about this. There's no guarantee. Did you hear Joe Namath today on with uh, – with Michael Kay and uh, yes. Don McGregor. Did you hear Joe Namath? He yes. said what I've been saying. He goes, he, he was yelling at Don. He goes, there's no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And I, I, hate, I tell my Jets fans this too. I think that ship is passed. I think the best thing that could happen is you part ways with the guy and you go out and you try to get a Kirk Cousins for four years or three years. Because, by the way, your window is going to close. I hate to say it. What do you think is going to happen in three years? So 
Sauce Garden is going to, you're not going to be able to pay him and Wilson, all these guys. They're all on rookie contracts. So you've got you to gotta have a mid 30 quarterback in the mid 30s who's Chris, established, who can Chris, win. What? Chris, yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call. Here's the difference, though. Right now, they're just trying to get through the season. They're trying to get through the next three weeks to the bye. Forget about three years down the road. They're not worrying about that yet, right? They're, they're just trying to tread water right now. Here's the thing about Kirk Cousins. And look, Cousins, he's gotten off to a great start this year. Vikings haven't won a game. He's gotten off to a great start, though. But remember something about Kirk Cousins, and I'll say it loud for the people in the back of the room who didn't hear me the first 20 million times that I've said this over the last couple of weeks. Kirk Cousins turned down the Jets as a free agent five years ago. Turned them down. Kirk Cousins has a no-trade clause. So he can decide where he wants to go, regardless of what any offer Minnesota might get. And five years ago, Jets offered him a lot of money. They wind them and dined them. They gave him a lot bigger deal than even Minnesota gave him. And some people think that Kirk Cousins used the Jets as leverage to try to get a better deal from Minnesota with no real intention of coming here. So do you think that that same desire is going to be reciprocated? Like, okay, you, you said no to me once five years ago. Are you going to go back and, and, and make the same mistake again? Right? Or what, do you, what makes you think that Kirk Cousins wouldn't want things any differently? Kirk Cousins, you watch that quarterback documentary, somebody who's very content with the young family or where he's living. Maybe he doesn't want to uproot and move his family in the middle of a season. Because family just doesn't pick up and move with the player. doesn't work that way. You know, player gets traded, the family's stuck behind in most cases. So maybe he doesn't want to spend the next three months away from his family because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He might say, you know what, the hell with it. I'm going to ride it out with the Vikings. And then once the offseason gets here, then we'll make a decision as a family and where I want to play and what the offers are like, and then we can all go together. And, you know, saying that, look, I get it. It didn't work out the way they wanted to this year with Rodgers in a nightmarish scenario. But to say, like, you know, just up and move on from Aaron Rodgers. Let's see. This time two weeks ago, because the game hadn't even kicked off yet, right? It's only 7-20. This time two weeks ago, nobody was saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers should, you know, be a one and done with the Jets. That was the big fear in the offseason. Right? The people that were saying they shouldn't get Aaron Rodgers, is, oh, they were afraid he was only going to be here for a year and then leave him high and dry. No. Meantime, Rodgers committed to two years, three years. Like, he is all in, all invested on this team. And now they say they'll move on from him. I mean, come on. You can't have it both ways. You can't. And the other part of this, too, you got to remember, as a business and football's big business, do you know what somebody of the likes of Aaron Rodgers is worth to the Jets financially? Unfortunately, they didn't get the football return this year. But do you know financially, box office, what Aaron Rodgers is worth? You think that I'm going to get home at, 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 you know, 2 o'clock in the morning or close to it next Sunday night if Kirk Cousins is the Jets quarterback or Zach Wilson or anybody else? reason they got all these primetime games is because of Aaron Rodgers. The reason they've sold so many tickets already for this year and suites and, and, and sponsorships and all that other stuff is because of Aaron Rodgers. Not Kirk Cousins, not Zach Wilson, not anybody else, not Mike White, Tim Boyle, anybody else you want to throw in there. So there's that part of it, too. And, oh, by the way, he's a pretty good football player. And, you know, oh, he's going to be 40 years old. It's not like we're talking about an injury-prone player. This was a freak thing. 
Aaron Rodgers played every single game for the Green Bay Packers eight of the previous nine years. Does that sound like an injury-prone player to you? Eight out of the last nine years, the guy was in every game? Sometimes fluke things happen. What can you say? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Grasso Show. We roll till 9 on 98.7 ESPN. A.A. Ron, where are you? Where is A.A. Ron right now? We got two Monday nighters again this week. Eagles and Bucks are just underway down in Tampa Bay. And Joe Burrow, little Joey Burrow, he is going to start tonight for the Bengals. Remember, he was hampered with that calf. He is going to start as they take on the Rams, a rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. That is in Cincinnati. The Bengals are wearing those, um, those white uniforms and the white helmets tonight, which are kind of cool, but I actually think the Bengals have a cool uniform anyway. But this one looks pretty good as well as far as the, uh, the alternate collection is concerned. So yesterday, as if the you know, game and the festivities and the weather and everything were you know, not disappointing enough. So we're in the post-game show, Greg and myself, down in the coaches club and you know we're about little a ways through and the great and I say great with a capital G the great Chris Pierce from the Jets good buddy walks over and he puts on the table a couple of containers of, of food from um, you know the folks down there in the coaches club the great Bill Lore. that's his uh, domain so Buttle, I asked Buttle during one of the commercials, I said, what is that order? Because it was like on his side. And he said, it's pot roast. It's, like, it's, it's, it's pot roast. They got us some, some pot roast to take it home or whatever. One for you, one for me. So that's great. Very nice. Right? I mean, after a long day of work, just go home. You want to relax. And I already have like dinner essentially made for me. So we're done with the post game. Greg takes one of the containers. I take the other container. They look identical. Identical. Like black containers wrapped up in, you know, cellophane, making sure it's all nice and tidy, whatever. Go home. You know, call my wife on the way home. Hey, you know, I got pot roast. They give us some pot roast at the coaches club, so I'll probably just dive into that or whatever. You know, the, the, the food's fantastic there. Good to go. Get to uh, get home, get changed, all that stuff. Take out the container. She, she's taking the container apart. She's like, you said you got pot roast, right? She says, yeah, why? There's no, there's no pot roast in here. There's no meat. I was like, what are you talking about? It's a container full of Brussels sprouts. So, me thinks that they weren't identical containers. One of the containers had pot roast. The other had Brussels sprouts. Without knowing which was in which, Buttle got the pot roast, and I got the Brussels sprouts. Now, I don't do Brussels sprouts. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what the hell a Brussels sprout is. They come from Brussels, like where the, I don't, even, I don't know what it is, where they come from, but it's not something that I ever am going to partake in. No thanks. So just to top everything off of the way yesterday went, I got the Brussels sprouts. Yep. So to me, that's the Brussels sprout game. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prefer to think back to week three, 2023, as the Brussels sprouts game, just to try to add some comic relief to it. I think that's all I could do at this point. Artie is in Brooklyn. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Artie, how are you? Hey, Dan. How's it going, bud? Artie, so, talk to me. I talked uh, to Artie yesterday after like... the game. He called in. He was there. What's going on, Art? Yeah. Yes, I, t- I take it from, like, your, your, uh, your monologue and stuff that you think that Zach 
play is obviously the, the reason why they lost. I can't argue with you, but going with that, I'm just figuring you're going in. The, the Patriots are a, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, right? So at, on the road. So I'm thinking that says that the Patriots are a better team. If you can't see that on the field, I mean, there's like no doubt to me. Okay, every time the Patriots did a little pass to a running back, I mean, I wanted Dalvin Cook. I said Dalvin Cook's going to make a big difference. You know what? You see the two guys, you see Zeke, that's it, that was their choices. And if you look at the team, Carter's better than, than Cook. I don't think you could you could argue that. Last year, the offensive coordinator used Carter and and uh, and Hall together. And I'm like, how the heck? Who do I see the block with? He put Hall in the in a wide wide out wide position and mm-hmm. like a wide receiver. I mean, if you heard my call, I called Mr. T or whatever, and I said they're gonna put eight man in the box. Use Zach's strengths. Send Gibson long. They have Cobb. They have they signed the kid from Kansas City. He hasn't seen the field. Hardman. I don't, I, Harden, I don't understand. They got they're blocking, right? They're doing the run they said, okay, we're doing the running game. Right? You have the best tight end blocker on the back. He, he got two plays. Well, I don't understand. The, 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 the Patriots, on the other hand, you said they ran 40 times. They was in the second series, in the second series, they ran I-formation with a, with a tight end that looked like an offensive tackle, and they just blew the line apart. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you don't think it's a coincidence that the Patriots have a better offense now with O'Brien than they did with uh, that guy, whatever the heck is in the defensive coordinator? Oh, Matt Patricia. Yeah. Right. But basically, this team, look, Saleh had to have Hackett. Hackett is part of the Rodgers thing. Rodgers went out. But you don't think it's coincidence that, that Cobb is playing over Hardman and Gibson? I mean, that to me was the most disturbing part. You, you got the freaking, um, um, the safety hurt, the guy, the Ravens, that we signed. He got Chuck hurt. Clark. And then they signed this guy, Oda, a- Amos, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. He's one-on-one against a tight end that's four times his size, and obviously he's faster. He couldn't catch him. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, but Art, Art here's the thing. Call. Art, here's the yes. thing, and I, and I love it. You know that, and I thank you for the phone call. Here, a couple of things, and I'll go in reverse order. That play on the Farrow Brown touchdown, that wasn't on Amos. There was a miscommunication um, between Sauce and Jordan Whitehead. Okay, there was a miscommunication. The way they were playing defense, one guy went one way, and then it was supposed to be the other guy to pick it up, and that's what had happened. And then Amos ended up being the closest defender, but that was not his responsibility. Amos was covering the other side of the field. He was just the closest one trying to track him down. Number two, the thing about the running back. Hey, has Dalvin Cook, have we seen that explosive Dalvin Cook yet in three weeks? No, we haven't. Now, what is that a result of? Is that a result of the guy who had shoulder surgery during the offseason and he's not 100% back yet and who was held out of camp for a long time, remember, until the very end? Um, Are we seeing the reason maybe why the Minnesota Vikings were so up to cut a guy who was a how-many-times pro bowler, productive player, right, reflective of the running back market 
and the way it is right now in the National Football League and maybe why teams aren't as willing to shell out big money. I thought it was interesting. How about this? There was a play yesterday. I think it was either third and one or fourth and one. I can't remember. But they lined up in the shotgun, the Jets. I said, well, that's interesting. And they handed the ball to Dalvin Cook so he can get almost like a running start to get a little bit of momentum. And then they, like, just barely got the first down. I think he got, like, two yards or something like that. The use of the personnel groupings, I don't have an answer for you on that one. I don't because Jeremy Ruckert, best blocking tight end they have, played five snaps against the Dallas Cowboys. All week long, even the head coach was asked about that. He was like, yeah, we, we need to get an answer on that one. So you're thinking, right, he's going to play a little bit more. Played one snap yesterday, played even less. McCall Hardman from the Chiefs played two snaps yesterday. But that being said, it's easy to crucify the play caller and the offensive coordinator. I get all those things. But if you go back and you watch the tape, plays were there to be made. All right? You had a lot of times where you had receivers running wide open in the secondary. The ball needs to be out. The ball needs to be delivered. And it wasn't. So that's got nothing to do with personnel and saying this guy should play, this guy should play, this guy should play. No, the guys who were playing were in a position to make plays, but they can't do it if they don't have the ball in their hands. Right? That's how football works. Like, I could, you could just take anybody and have them run into the end zone. That's great. You know, it's good for cardio and that type of thing. But if he runs 100 yards into the end zone without the football, you don't get any points for it. 800-919-3776. A couple of callers brought up Joe Namath in the interview we did on the K-Show earlier today. We'll share some of those cuts with you as we move forward. Remember, we're going until 9 o'clock. It's an overreaction Monday. We'll go around the league as well. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. I don't even know what the hell a Brussels sprout is. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results, fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. So just to update those uh, the saga over the last week over my windshield on the car, it has finally been resolved. Fixed it, finally. Um, shout out to my guy, Tevin, who showed up at the house today, fixed the went to get the whole thing replaced. He was awesome. And turns out he's a big listener to the show, loves the show, loves the station. And he did an unbelievable job, came out in the rain, the nasty weather and everything. So my guy, Tevin, great job by him today, coming out and taking care of the old windshield. And hopefully it doesn't happen again. Uh, let's say hi to John and Queens, who was up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Johnny, how are you today? How are you, Dan? Good, John. What's up? Pleasure talking. 
to you. you know, John, I pleasure's mine. At the game. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. I, I was there at the game yesterday in the end zone in the in the area where they scored the touchdown, the field goal. And I have to say, you know, there were times that I was yelling, like, throw it to Garrett Wilson. He's open. He's open. And then I'd see on the instant replay that, you know, Zach was running for his life, you know. So I, I kind of think that maybe they should go with a, a, a shorter game and then every once in a while maybe go deep because they're saying that the shorter game is would open up the running. The running was very – was non-existent yesterday, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's been a disappointment the last couple of weeks. So, and you know, the other thing is, like, I, I hit Fireman Ed today was on, on Instagram saying release Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think Dala, he's talking about you know, he's our man. I think that they're, t- they're talking behind the scenes, but everybody probably wants a number one in return, which is you know, I think you could use that on a lineman for next year, a big offensive tackle, because the line needs help. Well, remember something, and John, thanks a lot for the phone call. See, here's the thing. I I, I don't care, even if you're 0-3 right now. Like, you know, the answer is, you know, got to go out and get a quarterback, got to go out and get a quarterback, got to get whatever. Even if you're 0-3, like, let, let's, let's play along, right? Minnesota, they're winless. They've lost three games this year by not a heck of a lot. They've lost by three points, six points, and four points. So all one-score games. They could easily be 3-0. and They're 0-3. But even if you're 0-3, you still have 14 more games left to play. Okay? Nothing says it's not going to happen, but you could still go 14-3. and So why would anybody wave the white flag on their season right now and trade somebody? And the other part about this, too, with the Jets is, okay, let's say if you're in the camp, if you want them to go out and trade for a quarterback and to bring in somebody else, if it's going to cost you high draft capital, you're already out a second-round pick for next year because that's going to the Packers because Aaron Rodgers, right? So you're already down your second. There's no way in hell you're going to trade your number one pick away for a rental, which is essentially all it's going to be. So you're going to try to get a guy in here who, A, you think could play and can help you win games, but then you want it to be on your terms and you want to try to fleece him. Teams aren't in the, you know, in the business to be fleeced, especially three weeks into the season because they're the ones that hold the leverage, not you. Look, I don't know what the plans are with the quarterback as far as going to get outside help, but I've said all along that if indeed they are going to go in that direction and actually, I'm not just talking about get a warm body in here for insurance and to be like some, you know, sage wisdom giver on the sidelines. Nothing like that. I'm talking about somebody that when push comes to shove, he can actually play football, start games for you. That's not going to happen until at the least you get closer to the bye week. Because the bye week gives you the extra week to be able to bring somebody up to speed on a system if he doesn't have familiarity with it. So that means Kansas City at Denver. Philadelphia back home before you go into that week off before the Giants game. That's the timetable you're probably looking at realistically. But then, herein lies the other problem. What's your record going to be at that point? Let's just say, for argument's sake, they lose the next three games going into the bind. They're one in five. What are your chances of getting back into the mix? Like, what quarterback are you going to be able to get that's going to save your season if you're one in five? 
where the Dolphins – think about your division. Buffalo's a good team. The Dolphins look like the freaking Dan Marino and the Marx Brothers Dolphins, okay? So where do you fit into this equation? You might be no better than third in the AFC East. And the team that you're hoping you could finish ahead of, you haven't beaten in eight years or whatever it is. I've lost count. That's why these next three games are critical. You might not like the options that you have right now and the guys that are going to lead you into battle, but hey, man, it's what you got to work with right now. Jaden in New York up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jaden, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, Jaden. What's going on? I'm... I'm just I've been listening to the show all day, man, and I, I can't stand listening to everybody hating on this kid. I mean, I understand he makes some bad throws, he's horrible. I was at the game on Sunday. But how many times did we drop the ball? How many times was he rushing? How many times did he run to the side because his old line? What is this old line doing? Everybody's hating on this kid. Why? For what? For what? I mean I guess but there's just no belief. I mean, we all like to say we like the Jets, but where's the belief? Where's the belief in this kid? I don't understand. Jaden, it's year number three, right? Jaden hung up, but it's year number three. You know, if this was week three, game three of his NFL career, I could say that the fans are being a little irrational. And I could be sitting here preaching patience and telling you all these things. But if you're asking the question rhetorically, why are people hating and why is there a lack of patience now as far as the quarterback is concerned? Because we are in year number three. That's why. And he wasn't supposed to be the quarterback this year. And so I think it's also like one of the I – don't, I don't know all the stages. I have to go dust off the manual with the stages of grief. Like, I don't know what stage you're up to now if you're a Jets fan to where, like, okay, you've processed the loss, you've grieved the loss, you've accepted the loss, maybe there's denial of the loss, and then there's, like, another extra, like, bonus stage that's maybe, like, hidden in the back of the book somewhere. Maybe that's where they're at right now. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not easy, I can tell you that. But again, it's easy to just point the finger at this unit, that unit, their fault, that fault. Yeah, it's true. But you also need somebody to also do their part and to pull their own weight. And I don't think that you're getting that consistently enough. And we're in year number three. And not a hell of a lot has changed. Bobby and Belmore is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Bobby, how we doing? Good night. Good, good, Dan. How you doing? Good, Bob. What's going um, on? Two quick things before I get to Wilson. Number one, I hear no one mention, I don't think you and Buttle mention this. You know, the Pats lost their two starting defensive tackles um, became the game, and they still couldn't run the ball. So and, they were, and, and how about, well, and the other part about it, you're right about that. And, and how about the other, Godshaw lost and um, the other kid, I forgot his name. And they also were down the two, two corners in the secondary before right, the, the game. Right, secondary. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. But well, we know. And they and they stuff, couldn't exploit that either. I know. Now let me get. I I, I was watching the K show, and I agree with Don, mm-hmm. the conspiracy theory. I think there is no way in hell. How can you not bring in a veteran vet quarterback to back of Wilson? I think general manager Roger Slish, Kevin Durant doesn't want him to bring in a quarterback, mm-hmm. so he could tutor Wolf. So he could tutor Wilson. As crazy that sounds, it, it, it is no explanation for it. Okay, now let me get to Wilson. Why did you use this the Kevin Durant cool. analogy there, Bobby? Well, I mean, he's running the show. So oh. everyone knows he's running the show. He brings oh. in all these packets. Are in, I told you this from the start. Cobb isn't doing anything. Lazar is shaky. And Turner is, is, is doesn't even play offensive line. He couldn't even start 
when the tackle got hurt. Well, so remember, Billy, well, Billy, first Wolf. off, Billy Turner was signed for depth. He was never supposed to be a starter. Lazard, I thought, well, made a couple of really nice catches yesterday. And well, the thing with Cobb, yeah, and Cobb is, you I know, unfortunately, Cobb, here's the problem with the wide receivers, though. You're a wide receiver. You're dependent on a quarterback to get you the football, right? Right, I understand. Yeah. Well, let yeah. me get to the quarterback before you hang up. Uh, mm-hmm. Wilson. Now, this guy's last in pressure throws, which we know. I told you that. He's also last in no pressure throws. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that just about sums it up. And the last thing I'm going to say is, hey, I'm surprised. I don't think you and Butter Butter saw it. Watch, I heard your post game show with him. Mm-hmm. When Lucian asked him a great question mm-hmm. about why you feel you know you're not being aggressive enough, and he was talking about field position. I'm like, this sounds like coach speak to me. I mean, he's afraid of 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 losing a field position. That's playing not to lose. As as Herman Edwards says, you play to win the game. And I, I guess he's just scared to throw the ball. He's scared to throw interceptions, especially at home. And you know. Obviously, he had guys, like you said, open all over the field. But I don't see how he could say field position. That's not how you win a football game. No. You, you, you're there to win to score points and win the game, not to play. Now, Bobby, there's, like, there's, like there's a reluctance. Yeah, there, there, there's a reluctance by him to pull the trigger. It's, it, it's obvious, and I thank you for the phone call. You know, that's why, like, you could – people who were taking shots at the offensive line, guys, there was, there was enough time to throw the ball yesterday. There was enough time. All right? And, you know, even that one and, – and to be quite honest with you, like, I, you know, we don't get the same looks, as I said, sitting there in the press box watching the game that maybe you're getting on TV when you're watching the replays. Like, I don't have that luxury. And I'm writing down so much stuff during the games that even if it does pop up on the monitor, sometimes I don't see it because I'm not, like, looking up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm charting, like, every – literally, I'm charting every play during the game. So I didn't even realize until I got home and I watched – the game again on that one sequence where he basically just did like a 360 spin and went down and like took his own sack. I thought like somebody at least hit him and he went down. He, I mean, he sacked himself. Now, other quarterbacks have done that too. I mean, remember, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning like made a living of that. Manning especially. Like he would just go down. When he would see the pocket collapsing, he would go down to kind of preserve his body. And that's how you play as long as those guys did. But that's Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. They have the luxury of doing that. You know, because eventually they're going to get up and win the next battle, if you will. That was just peculiar to me. And again, it's almost like, hey, I'd rather take a sack because at least I'm not turning the football over and throwing an interception. And I think also, too, given the struggles that he's had against that team in particular the last two seasons, where they've spooked him and he's thrown so many interceptions and just pour balls up for grabs, I don't think he wanted to have that repeat itself in that game yesterday. Neither way, it wasn't a winning formula. 800-919-3776. 800-919-3776. Grasso Show. We're rolling on. It's a football overreaction Monday on 98.7 ESPN. Hello. You play to win the game. 